Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we have interviews and talk to people about how they manage their time, prioritize their tasks, and take steps to avoid burnout. Now, obviously, we do a lot more than that, and this week, we're especially going to do a lot more than that. We are talking this week with the author of the book, Getting Things Done, David Allen. Not only do David and I cover some of the very basics and starting out points of the GTD method, but some of the behind the scenes of GTD and where some people get hung up on and have breakdowns in their GTD system. Personally, that's something that's happened to me a few times. In rereading the book, which David does suggest as a really good starting off point to either start for the very first time or revisit, I mean, it really, and I can attest to this, it really is like reading the book for the first time, especially if you've not read it for a while. I know I got a lot out of it this time around. But again, this is a very special interview to me. Uh, David was one of, one of the ones that I wanted to get on the show immediately, and, and was he was gracious enough to give me some time. And I think you're going to really enjoy this one. This is one of those episodes where you're going to want to listen to this one a few times and take notes and then create action steps. But first, I wanted to take a moment to let you know that this podcast is brought to you in part by GoToMeeting by Citrix. There really is no substitute for meeting people in person. The key point to that being that the nonverbal communication that goes along with the verbal makes a lot of difference. Sometimes the, the body language or the, like the raise of an eyebrow, people nodding, smiling, that just translates extra data, crucial data into the communication. And ultimately, meetings that don't have that can be lacking and maybe difficult. But you can use GoToMeeting with HD Faces and you can meet face-to-face -face with your colleagues or your clients no matter where you are. I know last time I talked about how Cliff Ravenscraft and I, we were in the same room, but he started up a meeting right there on his iPad mini and I was able to join it right there on my iPad 3 and he was able to share a document and we were able to see each other's faces, not just by looking across the room, but by looking at our screens. And just the ability to do that is so important, especially because we could collaborate on the same document and he was able to start that from an iPad. And honestly, I was amazed at how easy it was to launch or join a meeting from anywhere, not just a computer, but a phone or a tablet. And again, even the, the new iPad mini. So try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try It Free button and use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST. Well, this week, it is my great privilege to interview David Allen, the author of Getting Things Done. David, welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Glad to be here. For someone who's never heard the letters GTD, or they've maybe seen them but not understood them, or they've never heard of this whole getting things done, how do you explain it to them? Like, what are the basics? The basics are really to keep all of the potentially meaningful stuff that goes on in your psyche, get it out of your psyche, make appropriate decisions about it so that you're appropriately engaged with whatever that stuff is, 
relative to your commitments and what it means to you and park the results in some sort of trusted systemic process so that you have good maps of all your commitments and all the interesting and meaningful things to you. And just keeping that out of your head so you could step back on a regular basis and sort of see the whole gestalt and the whole overview of essentially that, you know, all the meaningful things in your life, then trust your intuitive judgments about uh, what you do and how you focus your attention and your resources. For somebody who maybe has never trusted a system or they've started a system, they've maybe even done GTD before and they've set it up and then they've maybe kind of just let it fall by the wayside. In your years of experience with coaching people on GTD, where are the main hangups where the system maybe breaks down for people? Well, the first four you know, stages of how, you know, what I uncovered of how you get control of whether your kitchen or your company or your country. There are five stages. You need to, you know, capture stuff, decide what it means, organize the results, step back and review and see the whole picture and then allocate resources. That, that's the five stages of actually how you get control of anything. And I just made that explicit. Where people fall off is any one of the first four stages. The first one, they just don't even capture stuff. If it's not captured in some trusted way in some sort of external bucket, like you write it down on a list to put it in your in-basket or call your answer machine to leave yourself a message or, or wherever, if you don't capture it there, it is captured as long as it still has any meaning to you back in your psyche. Unfortunately, that's a terrible place to capture stuff. So the first thing that people do is they start – they don't really trust their system. They're still using their psyche to manage stuff. And if your head's the one that's still trying to remind you who you need to call as opposed to your system, it's not worth keeping up a system. So you'll fall off very fast. So you have to get rid of that scary thing of, gee, if I get it out of my head, I'll lose it. So that's the first one. Then you have people who integrate that step. They'll start to write things down and capture stuff, but then they don't go any further. They don't decide what mom means on their list <laughs> or bank <laughs> or babysitter or budget or, you know, holiday or whatever. They just wrote that down, which is great. They captured something that's got their attention, but then they don't go any further. And now they still have undecided, unthought through stuff sitting on that list and it becomes very unattractive. And those become compulsive list makers. They got lists all over everything. They got post-its on their computer screens. They got lists on their refrigerator door. They got lists, you know, God knows where. So that's the second thing is people don't go to stage two, which is determining what specifically they need to do about any of that stuff. What's the action they really need to take about mom or the babysitter or the bank? Very specific action. So deciding that, if you don't decide you know, first of all, what the outcome is that you're committed to. Are you going to give mom a birthday party or not? You know, are you going to try to get an extension to your credit line at the bank or not? Do you need a new babysitter? Are you going to get them or not? So first of all, deciding the outcome you're committed to about these things and then deciding the action step, those are very, very profound <laughs> decisions people need to make. They often make them, but oftentimes when the thing blows up or it's in crisis mode, as opposed to when it's first got their attention. So the second thing is people will write things down, but then they won't go to that second stage. And so they don't decide what to do, and then they start to avoid the list because it just reminds them that they're avoiding decisions. So then even if they've done that, <laughs> if they don't organize the results, if I decided, hey, the next step on these things is a phone call to the bank or a phone call to the person I know who's got a good babysitter, if you don't then capture that somewhere, if you don't make the call right then, if you don't capture a reminder to make that call, then the thing sort of sucks back up into your psyche and your psyche starts to become your system again. And, and then people then don't trust they have a systemic process. See, the one list that people don't even think much about and the thing that's not distracting them is where they need to be two weeks from Tuesday at three o'clock because the one list most people do work well is their calendar. But what they've done is they, why do you have a calendar? Because I need to externalize it. My brain can't keep track of all that stuff. So all I did was just understand that principle and say, let's apply that all across the board. So, you know, failure number three, 
is the lack of organizing into some trusted place. And then even if you have all of that, the stop number four will be not reviewing, stepping back and reviewing and keeping the thing current and complete and consistent. So the weekly review, as you may know, is one of the hallmark uh, best practices of the getting things done process because once a week you've got to sort of pull up the rear guard and get your system current. Otherwise, you won't trust it and you'll fall off the wagon pretty fast. So it could be any one of those four. In a way, you know, those are more sophisticated stops or blocks as you move through, okay, get it out of your head first. That, you know, that could, that's a big change for most people's lives if they just do step one and they haven't done that before. Uh, yeah. Just to, just to have a pad and pen, you know, with them, you know, when they go to sleep or, you know, anywhere so that they can start to grab stuff and externalize it. That, that actually is a big change. So that was a longer answer than what you asked, but th- that's the truth. Those are the four uh, stops that people will have. And the more that people have already started to try to implement GTD or getting things done and have fallen off, they'll be probably more toward the end of that. They're not reviewing and keeping it current or they don't really trust their organizational system where it's not complete. What I hear you saying is that you're ultimately, if you don't have a complete system, that you really may not have a, an incentive to trust it because it's incomplete. You might have things fall through the cracks or, you know, along different stages of what you just described. Is it important that maybe as you're setting up the complete system that maybe you follow through on any like like say in the very beginning you decide, OK, I'm going to capture all of the items that are in my psyche right now pertaining to this one thing and then see that through to the next step and the next step and so on just to kind of maybe lay a groundwork of trust? Well, everything you do that's GTD-esque is going to help. This is not like running with scissors, Eric. You know, anything you, anything you do is going to help. You know, that'll, that'll help. Absolutely. And anything you do that's a win that gives you more of a sense of, hey, you know, if I capture stuff and a system does that remembering and reminding you know, and placeholding for me much better than my head can. And I don't know how long I'm going to be preaching that gospel, but golly, it's a huge habit, obviously, for people to change. Yeah. Is there any prescribed or even just random ideas you can think of that help people just really achieve miniature victories that then, through those victories, they instill more trust in their system as they're creating it or as they've already created it? Sure. Well, just do simple processes of those four stages that I just recommended. You know, first of all, just make sure you have an end basket and just write some stuff down. Get stuff out of your head. Just yeah. start to notice what you're noticing and just write it down. And then take at least one of them and say, okay, what's the very, very next physical, visible action I need to take on that? Is that a phone call? Is that a surf the web? Is that a talk to my life partner? What is it? What's the very, if you had nothing else to do but that one thing, whether that's credit line on the bank or mom's birthday or, you know, get a new babysitter. If you make that next action decision and then, you know, watch what happens to your head when you do that. And they go, wow, that's really cool. And by the way, if you can finish that action in two minutes, do it right then. You know, that's the two minute rule, which is fabulous. You know, if you just, if you got nothing more out of reading my book or listening to you and me today, but the two minute rule, if you haven't installed that in your life yet, that'll change your life. <laughs> you know, anything you can do once you figure out what doing is and where it happens, if you can do it in two minutes, it would take you longer to stack it and track it and look at it again than it would be to finish it the first time it's in your face. Touch it what once that, and get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. What that will do will, it, it will start to train you to be making executive decisions about what the action is on something. That's why it's so powerful. Is it, it, it to your point, it's training behaviors that are that are highly productive, you know, which is making decisions before, you know, when things show up instead of when they blow up. As soon as things have your attention, 
you know, those things and just getting a good list manager, just getting, making a list. If you read my book and read a lot of the stuff about GTD, a lot of people think that's so complex because we suggest, for instance, that once you decide all your actions, most people have over a hundred that you sort them based upon where you can do them or what tool you need to do them with the context. You know, is this a call? Put it on a calls list. Is this something I need to surf the web about? Put it on a surf the web list. You know, is this stuff I need to talk to my partner about? Put it on your at partner list. You know, so that helps, but that may seem a lot of very complex to people. Well, if nothing else, just make a list of next actions. Here, hey, put everything on your calendar that needs to be there. And then everything that needs to be done as soon as you can do it, not on your calendar, just put that on a next action list. Keep a list of the projects that you need to complete and a list of all the stuff you're waiting for to come back from anybody else. And, you know, uh, that ain't real complex. All you need is really like your calendar and three other really critical lists. Once you have that and you start to just do one or two or three or four of these things, you'll start to see how much more in control and focused you'll feel even just doing a few of these. Of course, magnify that by about a thousand and that's how you could actually walk around in your life if you did this habitually. Yeah. I can say from personal experience, one of the things that's really, you know, you're em emptying your mental ram where you just take the time to just get everything out of your head and then at least it's out of your head and you feel that like immediate, I don't know, endorphin rush of productivity, so to speak, where, okay, I see it all on, out in front of me instead of up inside my head and now I can kind of start to organize it, decide what to do with it, allocate resources and all of that. What you're describing is not necessarily new skills to anybody, really. It's more practicing those things that you already know how to do intuitively. You've just never forced yourself to do them in the proper context or the right way or getting past, you know, procrastinating to a certain extent, right? Sure. Well, in, in a way, uh, to your point that there are no new skills, everybody knows how to write things down and everybody knows how to make a next action decision. Everybody knows how to make a list and everybody knows how to review a list. So there are, to your point, no new behaviors, and these are pretty easy to do. But in a way, it's kind of like I just took a drawing class from uh, Brian Bomeisler, who's Betty Edwards' son. She wrote Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And it's interesting. He said people say they can't draw, but if you can sign your name, you have all the eye-hand coordination you need to draw very well. Uh, it's just most people don't know how to see. Huh. It's not that they don't know how to draw. They don't know how, they don't know how to put to the paper what their eye actually sees. And so their left brain says, well, that's a face. Therefore, I, a face must look like this. That's why it's about sort of undoing the left side of the brain. Now, well, that's, we're a little off topic, but to the point that, yeah, we, we don't need any new skills for this. We need to understand how to use the skills we have and to do them in a systemic way because it's really the system and the methodology of using those behaviors and putting those behaviors together in a larger gestalt where the power comes from, as you, as you mentioned. I mean, to, if you want to fast forward here, I just tweeted eight to 20 minutes ago now. The purpose of my personal system, freedom to follow my spontaneous intuitive hunches and to optimize the good ones. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the thing for me is some people, they hate structure. But what I love about GTD is that it gives you this structure that then because the structure is in place and you can trust it, you're free to do these spontaneous things. That's great. But And a lot of people, you know, wind up, oh, I'm just going to go be spontaneous. And they sort of let their, you know, the, their life, the rest of their life go to hell in a handbasket right. <laughs> while, they, while they go be spontaneous. But that can certainly, that's not a very sustainable spontaneity. Yeah. That kind of deals a little bit with, you know, the whole idea of opportunity cost where you've got this, at any one moment, you can do all these different things, but you can't do all of them at once. So how do you decide what to do and what not to do? especially if you don't have a trusted, you know, intuition in your system. Right. And by the way, a trusted system can be 
people. I've met executives that just have 12 staff around them or 20 staff around them. And they say, hey, remind me of this on Tuesday. Hey, bring me this two days before I go on the trip. And they trust those people enough that they don't need to write anything down either. They just walk around making decisions and offload it to appropriate people. Now, that's that's a pretty rare, you know, esoteric, <laughs> rarefied version of, you know, professionalism, but that's possible. And you could also trust that if you want to trust your intuition to let you know who to call when you want to call, absolutely fine. Don't write it down. I just, you know, I don't, I think most people are kidding themselves when they think that's what they're doing. Well, yeah, I'd never thought about that. You're saying if you, you don't recommend it, but if you can hey, trust yourself you know, to do it, then you if can you trust think, yourself. If you think there's some supreme being in the universe that ha- that knows all of your phone numbers and that they'll give them to you when you show up at a phone, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I just like, you know, I love the saying, you know, trust in Allah and tie your camel. So Allah, my system is about tying my camel just in case <laughs> my intuition slips. Right. You know, and I don't know exactly what I need to do. So it's backup. Yeah. One of the things that you uh, had happened recently was your TEDx talk, which I really enjoyed. It was really concise, but it also kind of brought around this idea in my mind to ask you this, which was the book was originally published in 2001, and then now it's almost 2013. How has the system evolved? Well, the system is really just an application of some basic principles, and those principles are old as dirt, and they won't change. So there, there's not a new getting things done. Nobody's going to write in, you know, the next version of it. There's only like, how do I apply capture? You know, if I can capture now by simply talking into Siri on my iPhone, uh-huh. you know, it's still capturing. There's no difference between calling your answer machine back in 2001. There's no, you know, so what? You know, uh, all you're doing is looking at different forms and formats for managing both the capture function as well as some of the organization function. But the principles were exactly the same. You know, if you want to be appropriately engaged with the bank or your babysitter or your company or your life, you've got to be making these decisions. What's the outcome I'm committed to and what's the action step I need to take? What really has changed is more my uh, understanding of how uh, challenging it is for most people to change some of these, you know, pretty basic behaviors. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things I noticed was that there was a distinct – not a difference so much as a difference in maybe the presentation, especially because it was a, you know, a 20 minute talk of how you moved from the initial story of the, you know, the shipwreck sort of crisis moment and how you then roped that into, you know, basically the three steps of capturing your thinking, uh, making outcome action decisions and then using the right maps, which sounds yeah. a little different to people if they've read GTD. Well, in, in a way, the TEDx uh, sort of forced me. Actually, I've been challenging myself to say, okay, how do I really get more to the essence of what GTD is about? Because as you know, people start to, they come across it and they think, oh, list manager. Oh, this is time management. Oh, this is organization. Well, I understand what they mean and I understand that what they're getting at is the same kind of things that GTD gets at. But there is a much subtler and more profound result that occurs when you actually start to implement these behaviors. And so what that keynote did, if people go hear that TEDx, is I move more to the forefront, what I used to kind of throw in between the lines and like the kind of, oh, by the way, you know, you start to do this. It's much like Sufi masters, you know, would have you weave a rug for three years next to a master and not say anything, you know, and then, and then you suddenly get enlightened by doing these dumb little mundane things. But, you know, some part of you starts to then transcend all that. So in a way, the, you know, what I've been challenging myself to do, and I think the world is ready for it now, is much more of a direct message that, hey, folks, 
It's like, why do GTD? Not the what is GTD and how to do it, but why? What's the purpose of this? And the purpose truly is to be able to take your creative energy and use it much more effectively and much more productively and much more it gives you giving you much more satisfaction. Most people are using their creative energy to try to stop up, patch up, remember, remind, you know, all kinds of really stuff that is really very, very underutilizing what your creative energy should be used for. So bringing that message more to the fore as opposed to the background is, I think, you know, maybe a combination of me getting old and cranky and <laughs> I'm going, come on guys, wake up. You know, this is really, it's, a, it's about much something much more sublime than just, you know, whatever you consider as time management. But then again, you know, that said, I have to come back and say a lot of the uniqueness of GTD is to take this very simple and, but very specific kind of mundane, what seemed like very mundane kind of behaviors, but the profound results that, that accrue from doing them. You know, that's, that's, I think, the real message. So people who have ears to hear, that's what I'm trying to get that message out to. I know that a lot of people that listen to this podcast are very much interested in more of the, the personal side of this, especially for you. They want to hear, does he not just coach people on GTD and, and write books about it and, and go speak on it, but how does it play out in your day-to-day life? So I want to ask you the question that I ask every interviewee, which is, in an ideal world, how do you start your day? Uh, good coffee. You know, that's, a, that's, that's the first thing. You know, the, the day is started by really looking at what are the right maps that I need to look at. So the first thing I look at is what's the map for the day. As I kind of wake up and look into the day, I say, what's the map? The first map is, of course, calendar. Like, what, what commitments do I have? What are the, what's the hard landscape out there that, you know, if I, if I don't map to that commitment, you know, some, I'm not going to like the results. So I need to see that map first. The next map kind of depends upon how clear am I about what I'm doing as soon as I have any discretionary time. I really engage with my system quite intimately at least once a week. I'm very familiar with all the stuff going on. Now, I do need maps. And so I've got a mind map, for instance. I use Mind Manager. And I, I have a map, essentially, of all of my maps. If I look at it right now, you know, I see... I have an overview, essentially, of the things that have my main attention. And I've got six things on there right now. And I have next time horizon. And I have several things on that. Next time horizon means what are the things coming toward me over the next, you know, two, three, four, six weeks that are not standard that I need to be paying attention to relative to travel, relative to prep for it, relative to anything I might want to do while I'm there, et cetera, that, that kind of stuff. So I have main attention. I have next time horizon. I have miscellaneous interests that are emerging, and that's a whole other leg on my mind map. And by the way, most of these things, most of the entries on all of these are connected to, to their own mind maps. I also have a, a leg called creative production. There are some things that I'm, I'm writing and thinking about right now, and that's a different kind of a context. So I need to kind of see what those things are that are, that are sort of lurking out there for me to add more creative juice to. And then I have you know, maps to the different horizons of my commitments, my goals, my vision, my other things. Now, I don't need to go into all of that, but sometimes I need to step back and just take a look at it. If, if my week is, is kind of nuts, meaning, you know, things, you know, all kinds of things are new opportunities. I mean, a whole lot of my system is designed so that, you know, 85% of the time I'm free to just follow the new thing that showed up I didn't even expect. And those are, you know, a lot of those are very positive opportunities. So I need to then check back into my system, make sure that's okay that I spend the next two hours, you know, running down that rabbit trail, you know, making sure that's an okay thing to do. So 
after the calendar and the hard landscape, then I have a kind of a soft view across all of those different things that are kind of lurking out there or resident out there sort of on my radar. And I may or may not need to look at that very intently, depending on how clear I am. If my head's kind of unclear, I'll see, I think there's stuff going on and I need to pay attention to it. Then I'll, I'll dive into it as much as I need to, just to make my head feel real comfortable that it's okay to sit and still enjoy my coffee for another half hour, you know, or not, you know, so that's, that's essentially how my day works. Okay. So after you've done that kind of, you know, morning processing and all that, and, and you know what the map holds for you for the day, say something comes up, distraction, a, a barrier, something along that. What's your intuitive way to deal with that as it comes up? <clears throat> well, that's very situational. Depends on what it is. You know, it could be the, the house cl- cleaners show up, which they may do any minute. They certainly walk in the door and suddenly it's noisy and suddenly my dog barks and suddenly I say, okay, is it time to now take the dog out and go take my computer and go sit in the local cafe and do some work there or just go wander around and do some thinking or wherever so I can get out of their way or what, you know, it depends on what it is. So the cool thing about it is, and again, the purpose of the system is so that very quickly I can make a, a quick intuitive judgment based upon what shows up. Now, for instance, if you look at my in-basket right now, what you'll see are uh, three pages of notes that I took very fast because I had a an early morning follow-up call with a very senior client that I'm working with. And I haven't had a chance to process those notes yet because I took those notes and then something else showed up on the radar that I decided to po- follow down. And that's why I use my in-basket more than anybody. It's a fabulous placeholder. So I'm sitting here staring at it right now as well as the headset that I just unplugged so that we can work this better one. Yeah. And it's it's sitting in my in-basket. Why? Because I'm not sure where I want to park it right now. <laughs> so, so I have my in basket is this wonderful place that I get to throw placeholders for anything that I'm not completing in the moment, but I don't want to continue doing right then. And I haven't decided where it, where it goes systemically. But one of the titles we actually played with for getting things done for the, my first book was Zen and the Art of In Basket Maintenance. Nice. Because, because they're, but it, it was a little cliched because yeah. of, you know, the reference, but, you know, that's power. That's probably my most powerful tool. If I had to pick one tool aside from the computer would be that physical in basket I'm staring at right now, as well as my note ticker wallet that's in my wallet right now with yeah. a pen, pen and pad. So, you know, most of my life started in raw random forms into those buckets and I didn't know what would emerge from them yet. You know, once I then put my executive focus on those things I captured, then stuff started to emerge and surface. And you look around and go, well, that's how I created my life. And that's how we all do it in a way. So I didn't really make this up. It just, that is the implicit process I just made explicit. Once you really understand that, you can utilize that like crazy. As you're describing your office, uh, so I get the impression you're not at a, at a work office. You're at your home. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's recent buzzwords. You've probably heard it. People talk about this whole work-life balance or blending. And what does that look like for you? People want to know, in other words, how do you use GTD not just for your professional life but also for your home life? Are you keeping separate lists or what? No, not at all. GTD is a lifestyle practice. So it's like, well, why not? Even on holiday, you know, the whole whole point of GTD is to be able to go on a holiday – you know, and not have anything bugging you while you're walking down the beach, but also to capture that fabulous idea you had walking down the beach and then to make sure that it doesn't get lost and gets, you know, gets put back into the system. So it gets cranked through and, and you're productive about it. It also, you know, makes sure that your mind isn't trailing off into all kinds of things that weren't handled as appropriately as you, as you needed to. 
So, you know, GTD is about appropriate engagement. Mm-hmm. And that, that was really the sort of the theme of the TEDx talk. And that's, that's kind of my theme du jour right now. It's like, it, a lot of getting things done is not getting things done. <laughs> <You know? It's> like, <laughs> like, what are you and I not doing right now? And hopefully, that's the appropriate engagement with them. Otherwise, you wouldn't be fully present on this podcast. Right. Right? So, you know, GTD is not something that one isolates to say, well, you only do GTD at work. Are you kidding? You know, come on. You know, GTD, because it has the words getting things done, I suppose it just has that connotation. But it's really about appropriate engagement so you're, you're fully involved with whatever you're fully involved with and you feel comfortable about that decision. Yeah, and that doesn't have as good of an acronym, so. <laughs> no, yeah, that'd be good to listen back to this and retrace it and see. Maybe it actually spelled something. Yeah. You can see. Productivity has a lot to do with relationships. And so I've got to ask this personally because one of the things that my wife will agree with is that she and I sometimes just don't get on the same page when it comes to what needs to be done around the house and, you know, what needs to be on the calendar versus who saw what calendar and how do you do that with your, you know, personal or family relationships? Well, I happen to have married a woman who worked for me to begin with and who has been a GTDer since she took my first seminar back when she was in her 20s and she's 53 now. So she's never left it. So we don't even think about it. Like huh. I'm, I'm looking over at her in basket. So many times I just leave stuff in her in basket for her to see. She leaves stuff in mine. You know, it's anything that's on either of our minds. Getting it off your mind is exactly what GTD is about. So, you know, whether there's something on our mind about our relationship or are you handling this or am I handling this, it's no different than a work relationship, no different than any relationship. What does appropriate engagement with Catherine look like right now yeah. about X, Y, or Z? So, you know, I have the luxury of having someone who's <laughs> not only totally bought into it, but she's been a coach and she, you know, she just lives and breathes this stuff as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, there are so many bigger and better things to be thinking about in relationships than dealing with all of that. You know, I, I understand it. And, and it's very powerful when couples or people who live together start to integrate these these behaviors. Wow. To do a mutual weekly review is very, very powerful. Hi, dear. What's coming up? For the, how was your last two weeks? Oh, that reminds me. Oh, what's coming up? Oh, who are you going to handle? Am I going to handle? Oh, wow. Oh, OK. Shall I do that or you? Uh, okay, whoever goes to the hardware store first, great. Where are we going to keep the hardware store list? Okay, keep it there. Great. And so then, so I hear you saying that really you two built a system, a mutual system that you both have trust in, not just in each other, but in the mutual system you created together. And so because actually, of that. Actually, we don't have a mutual system. Oh, really? She has, her, she has hers. I have mine. But you trust her trusting her system. Sure. In other words, yeah. Well, I have no idea how she keeps track of anything. I have no idea. I've never looked. I've never looked at her list ever. Wow. It, well, why should I? I'm only caring about what I'm caring about. You know, if I've got a waiting for, I've got a waiting for a list from Catherine. And, you know, I've got an agenda list for Catherine stuff to go over with her. But there's no difference. I mean, once that's the problem is people in relationships call when two or more are responsible, nobody is. So, you know, it's, it's really nice to say, is that yours or is that mine? You know, I know that sounds a little harsh and mechanical, but boy, can that undermine a relationship if that's not clear? <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm getting at that like once it is clear that – so for example, if she puts something in your inbox and you have a track record of she's done that before and she knows you'll do it or at yeah. least engage with it appropriately. Absolutely. So then sure. she trusts that. Yeah, that's true with anybody. It's true with anybody you work with and true with whatever. And, you know, again, that's a problem. A lot of the – 
a lot of what undermines productivity out there is people don't, there's so many leaks in most people's systems that people go, the noise level has to get so high to pe- for people to feel like they got heard. Yeah. Hi, did you get knock on their door? Did you get my email? Oh my God. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> yeah. You know? Wow. But I understand if people aren't working, if people aren't emptying their in baskets, then that inherently means it's an untrustworthy communication system. So then you got to try some other form. You know, I see it, I walk into it all the time. I go, whoa, boy, the, the improvement opportunities, you know, people and relationships have and intersections. Cause a lot of GTD really is about how do I manage intersections? That's why it's now starting to become, you know, we've got some major clients, big corporate clients out there that are going, wow, this, this really needs to be a behavior installed in our culture. And these are as sophisticated and productive as cultures as you could imagine. It's kind of like the most productive cultures are the most sensitive about their productivity. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're interesting, you know, how they've, they've started to recognize that because emails and meetings are the things that are just eating everybody alive. Mm. You know, too many of both, you know, un, uh, you know, unfocused of both and bad meetings create huge emails and, you know, huge emails create bad meetings. So it's a downward spiral that happens out there because those communication and intersections are not handled with what are we trying to accomplish? What's the next step? And trusting that people are then capturing the, the, you know, critical components and particles in those, you know, communications and those relationships and those agreements and managing those appropriately. Cause there's so many bigger problems that you need to be putting your uh, creative energy into. And then this, this is like just holes in the sails is like, you know, wow, exhaust. You know, that just happens out there because of all these leaks. Yeah. But again, you, you, you touched a nerve with me that I'm old and cranky or this. I'm just looking, <laughs> looking around. I go, you know, it, it's not rocket science unless you're building rockets. You know, obviously you said that some of the stuff, you didn't make it up. You just kind of formed it into something to be able to be deliverable. And obviously with references to mind like water, it, your spin on it has some basis in the martial arts. So what does your black belt implementation look like? personally well um nothing's in my head <laughs> that's that's the, the 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 final result that that's that's sort of the te- the proof in the pudding yeah and there's nothing on my mind except you right now so the fact is that when i stop engaging with you eric right now that i trust that i'll look someplace and know exactly where i need to be next that i have the data i need to support that so that i feel comfortable I can, i'm engaging appropriately with that and you know every single other commitment Anything I'm interested in, anything meaningful in my life, I have on a map somewhere that I could get to within a few seconds right now. You know, that doesn't mean I don't have challenges and problems and issues and, oh, come on, you know, <laughs> that the whole life is just full of all that. If you didn't, didn't have any challenges, you'd, you wouldn't, you'd never grow, you know, so I still have decisions I need to make. I still, I even still have to challenge myself to implement this at more subtle levels. Like, gee, David, where do you really want to be three years from now? Right. You know, oh, come on, David, you know, uh, what, what's your ideal outcome for this partnership you've now got with the software company? You know, come on, let, let, let's flesh that out in more detail. So I have huge amounts of things kind of not yelling at me, but, you know, things, if I just look at this mind map right now on one of my, you know, um, Thunderbolt screens, it's got that, my mind map of my world there. And there are things going, Hey, David, you know, here's a cool place. You could think you can add some more value. You can add some more value. Come over here. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there constantly fending off, you know, the, the stress of opportunity yeah, uh, and then having to make those kind of choices and decisions. So you, you don't get rid of that. It's just nice to graduate it to that level as opposed to, Oh geez, I forgot. Oh my God. Oh no, I have to. And you know, and then every you're kind of backed up against the wall. You know, that's not a fun place to operate from. 
how are you turning, you know, those dreams or big visions into breaking it down into like tasks and, and next actions? Well, that, that's just what you do. If you've got a project out there, it's all like, where is that? Now, you know, it turns out now that, you know, after, you know, being 60, be 67 next month, you know, that, and I now, you know, have a trusted CEO in my company managing a lot of things operationally. I've been able to hand off a lot of things that I, I can then monitor from the map that I monitor from as chairman of the board and, you know, mapping things at that level. But, you know, I, I have other things that I want to get into, into real life. For instance, my own creative expression. I love the visual arts, photography, now drawing and now painting. Just took a painting class. So I'm looking over. So I turn around and look at over at my credenza and I have another table. I have yesterday I walked over to the, to the art supply store. And so now I have my acrylics and I have my canvas boards and I have my, my little paint, um, tackle box and wow. And it's like, oh, okay, way cool. Because at some point I said, you know, I really need to sort of up level my, at sort of at what we call the 20,000 feet or areas of focus and interest. And one of those is just creative expression. And I know that that juices me and appropriately. So I, you know, we took an action, took a painting class, another action was on my list. I'll go to the art store and that became an errand. So, you know, these things just, it, it just becomes sort of second nature in a way. Some of the stuff that the interesting transition is where things go just from vision in my mind called, wow, that would be way cool. That'd be a really neat thing to do. Uh, you know, Catherine and I have some visions about where we want to be kind of lifestyle wise in the next three or four years. Do we have specific next actions about that? Well, you could translate everything we're doing to be promoting that, you know, those kinds of things. I don't, I don't know that there's a direct next action, you know, on that other than, hey, let's make sure our business gets under cruise control, make sure we can, you know, manage X, Y, and Z, you know, how we're doing with unhooking from things that we are invested in so that we could travel a little bit more easily. And so we have things about all of that. But I don't know that necessarily there's a direct connection. It's just we're just pretty conscious about all that stuff. Mostly it's just, you know, being free and using all of this so that the day-to-day doesn't eat us alive because it can very easily creep up on you. Use the system. It, it frees you up to where, you know, as you're – I mean, say you do have a random, hey, that'd be great to do someday maybe. And it goes on the someday maybe list. And then you know as you're working the system, you're freeing up your bandwidth to where – Hey, you know, we might have some free bandwidth here. Maybe it's time to look at that someday maybe list. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I know what I, I, I remember when I wrote my, actually the three books that I've written, as soon as I sent off the last draft to the publisher, you know, so it was now just a waiting for to have it show up on the shelf, you know, out there, the creative energy that just suddenly freed up from, you know, being able to then, you know, take my investment of my psychic energy and my creative energy off of that and have that freed up. I, just, I literally just literally went, went and added, you know, six or seven or eight more projects off my someday. Maybe let's activated them wow. because now I had the bandwidth to be able to do that. So yeah. it's, it's very, very, very practical. It's almost, you know, it's funny about GTD, uh, Eric. As esoteric as some of it may sound, mind like water and all that, it's actually just quite mechanical. Uh-huh. It's very subtle, but it's still just a mechanical process. I've never had anybody dump stuff out of their head and not feel more in control and more focused. I've never had anybody make a next action decision and an outcome decision about something that had their attention and that didn't feel more in control or more focused. Never had anybody take the results of that, organize it in some sort of a systemic way and so can step back and look at the whole thing and not feel, wow, exponentially more in control and more focused on what they were doing, ever. Never had, it, never had anybody disprove that as a principle. So in a way, you know, looping back around to your early question called, gee, David, has anything changed about this? 
those are universal. Never had anybody disprove that. Maybe, maybe they will be. You know, I'm, I'm still open to go. Maybe I, maybe I got something wrong or maybe there's some other way to enhance or expand whatever this was. But those are just very real things. But we're not born, you know, the funny thing is, I guess, and of course I wouldn't have a job if this weren't true. We're not born doing these things. We don't seem to be. I mean, I didn't hop out of the womb going, hi, what are we trying to accomplish? What's the next action? Is this yours or mine, Eric? You know, that's, that's a learned behavior. So the learned behaviors about how to think through stuff, what things are that are meaningful to us, how they sort of latch onto our psyche and what we need to do to be able to then free up that creative energy instead of have it strangled by the inappropriate behaviors with it. That seems to be a learned behavior. So I think that's why GTD is now like spreading around the world and keeps on growing. You know, yeah. it's, it's the little the, the little book that could. <laughs> you know, it's still chugging along out there. The rubber of GTD meeting the road of life is kind of played out sometimes in the tools you decide to use. And I know GTD is like is, is basically tool agnostic, but I know people are curious. You know, what tools do you use? I mean, I know you can use a pad and a paper, and you can use a calendar, and there's a myriad of different calendars you can choose from. But specifically, without maybe endorsing anything. What are you using? Uh, well, I use my primary tool is the the list function inside of Lotus Notes, which is our you know corporate application that we use for email and for you know document and information management is Lotus Notes, which is fabulous. Um, nothing like it. And Eric Mack, you know, who was my technologist for many years, built an add-in, a very elegant add-in called eProductivity into Lotus Notes, which takes the calendar and and list management function, the task management function and reference function inside of there and, and really GTD GTDs it, you know, very elegantly. It's not not totally required. I you know I I can work just any kind of a list manager. Uh, but that's that's essentially what keeps all that keeps my calendar, keeps my action list, you know, organized appropriately. Keeps my actions tied to my projects. Let, reminds me which projects don't have next actions tied to them. So it's a very elegant tool. So I absolutely endorse it. It's fabulous if you if you're in a Lotus Notes environment. It's yeah. specific, is specific for that. Um, and I use Mind Manager for mind maps. Uh, there are lots of good you know mind mapping programs out there. I've just you know used Mind Manager for years, and so no need to change. I use the Brain as a random kind of a, a reference. Uh, associative reference tool, uh, which is very elegant to keep sort of context-specific kind of data and interesting interesting data and reminders. You know, as reference, Lotus Notes, nothing beats Lotus Notes for, you know, I've got more active databases than we have staff, <clears throat> you know, in terms of, of how do we keep track of documents pe- people need to access to, projects, project materials, collateral support materials, and so forth. So all that's there. In terms of capture, I now have... Uh, you know, uh, an iPhone five and an iPad and I'm in a Mac environment about a year, year and a half ago, I moved over into the Mac world. I'd been PC for like 13 or 20 plus years, but I decided I I needed to go find out what all the mystique was. Everybody had about all the the iOS systems and so forth. So I decided, okay, let me jump in full bore to see, you know, what that environment was like and how much difference it made. So, you know, I'm looking at two Thunderbolt screens right now that driven off my, uh, MacBook Pro, uh, 15 inch that I also travel and move around with, iPad, iPhone, um, my in basket, my note taker wallet. Those are you know primary tools. Yeah, 
As far as, you know, kind of a ubiquitous capture device, your, your iPhone 5 and your iPad, has there any specific app on there that you've kind of felt intuitively works for you? Not yet. No, I hate recording stuff and then having to play it back and then having to type stuff into it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Siri is, is reasonably good. You know, it, unfortunately, it, you can't fully trust it. But in terms of texting, it's been that's that's been kind of nice. Basically, I just pull up notes on the iPad and I email myself. I have a Gmail account that I use for my iOS system, and then I just email myself into into my you know corporate email. I just email myself from my iPad. I just send notes that I take there, you know. And so, but I haven't found anything anything specifically other than that. Don't need anything other than that. I mean, right. It's like fast, simple, quick, whatever. I can get get stuff down. The nice thing about the iPad is in, in dark restaurants, you know, or bars, if you're waiting for somebody or you're sitting there, you know, late at night by yourself and traveling, um, you know, it's nice and visual. Uh, also, I can, you know, to, in case I happen to get inspired and actually do some writing, I can actually write and then email that to myself and then move it more into other formats once I get back to my computer. Yeah. And one of the beauties I think then that you're saying is, is that each of those things is is an individual email that then you can use to, to the process through the system. Is that right? Correct. I, I may do any number of things with it, but yeah, I'll, I'll oftentimes just have emails to myself in there that, which I just open up and then just move the data wherever it is. Of course, the next morning, sometimes I go, what a dumb idea. And I just don't <laughs> it. You know? Yeah. But I, I don't know dumb ideas when I'm having them. Obviously but, when you're having them, yeah. they're, they're great. But at least then you've processed it. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but I have I have to say though honestly Eric I there's nothing beats a little pen and paper yeah oh yeah. you know it's just it's ubiquitous it's fast it's easy you know and then I I take those little pieces of paper and then throw those in my in basket and process those as well totally agree pad and paper you know I've even when I was in high school is one of the weird things is I'd get one of those really little I mean it was the size of an iPhone about the same thickness too and you'd flip it open and it was kind of leather bound and yeah. it had lines and, and I'd carry a, a you know a clicky pen and one of those pads in my pocket at all times just to whip it out and write stuff down. Sure. Well, you, you, you had the habit, right, to begin with. Yeah. You know, if I, I, I probably will capture digitally, like on my iPad, uh, if, if it's more discursive, something I want to capture. Like, wow, here's a thought I want to, uh, like a, a short paragraph, I want to write about something I just thought about. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff I'd want to capture. I'd want to pull up the iPad because I can type pretty fast. Yeah. You know, then I just want to type myself a, you know, a rough note in there and then email it to myself. When it comes to apps, I know I've got, like a lot of people, the whole, you know, new shiny toy thing where every five minutes there's another app that comes out, say, in the iOS store that has a designation that calls itself, you know, we're the best at doing GTD. And I just over, over 500 at last right, count. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, how much time is too much time spending on investigating the uh, right tool to use, for example, for a calendar or for a capture device? Well, <laughs> if investigating, you know, that's a pregnant term. If investigating means it's a hobby and you enjoy it, I say, well, God, there are a lot worse hobbies to have. Go for it. You know, go play. Go, go, go test them all out. You know, see what works. If investigating means spend time doing that as opposed to doing stuff I ought to be doing, <laughs> yeah. that's just called, you know, that's, well, there's another distraction and avoidance, you know. So a lot of it depends on what's the purpose of your investigation. You know, you need to start using something. Like once you get GTD, for you to go one second without having a place to capture stuff and start to park the results of it is silly. 
you know, so, so start using something and, you know, I, I keep testing stuff out. The problem is when you're testing stuff like that systemically, you truly have to, you need to jump in with both feet in order to really test a system. You can't just sort of test it that I, so I discovered, I can't tell you how many thousands of hours I spent, you know, over the years testing stuff out that didn't work. Yeah. You know, uh, because once you started to use it, it was clunky or it took much, too much time. You had to think too much in order to use it. So, uh, so I, I'm, I'm quite discriminating these days about what I'm willing to go actually test out and see if it actually works. Speaking of testing out, I know that last week it was actually announced on Fast Company that your company is actually creating, I don't know if this is even the right term, so put this straight, an official GTD app. Would you like to maybe describe a little bit about that process and what your goals are with this? Yeah. Well, that's even that, to call it an, an, an and a GTD app is premature. It's a long-term, really collaborative research project that I'm, you know, partnered with Intentional Software up in Bellevue, uh, Washington. And, you know, these are the first folks that I've sort of intersected with out there who had the, the bench strength, the resources, and also the awareness and interest to really understand, you know, what the, the subtleties of GTD are and how we could, you know, take digitalizing the thought process to a much different level than just a list manager. So, uh, so that, that's really what it is. It's a project to do that because, you know, there's a whole lot more that can be done, I think, digitally that's not done yet in terms of helping you or me, Eric. When you, when you boot your computer, it should be an integrative process and it should be fun and a dashboard as opposed to you having to cobble together all of that. And for the most part, you know, you turn on your computer and it's going to distract you instead of compact you. So what are the things the computer can do well? Uh, what are the things the computer could do better than your mind could do it? Though not being, as I call it, Naziware, but giving you the opportunity to say, wait a minute, let me, how do I program my own maps of what maps I need to see? Hey, I'm about to talk to David Allen with a podcast. What do I want to see right now? And it should know that because you've already designed that. So because, you know, the, the chairman of, of intentional Charles Simone, you know, essentially did WYSIWYG. He invented WYSIWYG because in 1970, you could not type a letter from a computer unless you were a computer programmer. So what he did with Bravo when he was with uh, Xerox Park and then, you know, and then Microsoft Word when he when Bill brought him over into into Microsoft was to actually say, "Hey, how can we get rid of the programmer and just let you type let you write a letter and and be able to print it just like you would on a typewriter only much more elegantly with a lot more freedom and a lot more capability." And so if you put that on steroids and said, okay, gee, Eric, how would you like to be able to the, essentially, you know, organize your life <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and be able to, you know, have all the right maps and be reminded of what you need to be reminded of when without having to be a programmer to do that. It's still in the very much visionary stage right now. So we have, we're making no promises about either an app or a time frame or anything. We just know that nobody else is doing it and it's going to take a lot of power and a lot of horsepower to be able to try to integrate stuff, even at the simplest level, to be able to integrate stuff so you don't have to give up any of your favorite apps, but you can integrate them together, you know, and they, you know, as opposed to having all these transoms between them. Yeah. Well, when I read the article, that was one of the most exciting pieces to me was to see that it was going to be a very integrative 
you know, kind of a system, not necessarily an application, but a system. I'm really excited to see what you guys come up with. Sure. Well, you know, it's, it was probably even premature to announce it because this may be, who knows, a year or two before we even, you know, have anything out there that, that, that actually is functional that we can use that'll, that's going to start to, you know, you know, be, we know proof, proof of concept is sort of some, somewhat assumed already because we, we know this is coming. It's not a matter of whether, it's a matter of when and what, in what form, you know, and, and as we move forward and the technology moves, moves forward together, you know, I think we'll be able to see some some very real stuff, uh, but again, no no promises about that. Yeah. So so for somebody that like me who who heard the news of oh yay an official GTD app, which I think again was probably a little premature, like you said, um, we shouldn't be holding our breath. We should find something that works for us for now, and obviously then whatever we find that works for us, you're already doing the hard grunt work that what we're gonna use or what are we are using will fit into what you then deliver. Yes, hopefully. And and the the reason we did announce it was because we're looking to, you know, essentially uh, tap the wisdom of the crowd, especially the GTD yeah. crowd. Like who's out there, who's interested, as well as developers and partners. We've also we've got a huge, you know, once we made the announcement, we've got a had a huge uptake in terms of people who say, "Wow, we want to play and we want to make sure our app, you know, fits with your app yeah. and th- that it can integrate together." So, we knew we needed to be able to do that and and looking for the talent that 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 are really sort of the GTD fanatics out there that would love to play on the project. So, there was a strategic reason to go ahead and, you know, let the cat out of the bag a, a little earlier than than we might otherwise have done. It's almost like, say, for example, Apple decided, all right, what do you guys as app developers want to see in the next version of the, I- the iOS you know, yeah. bundle, even before we'd give you a beta to, to try out so that you can actually uh, help us design what will be the most needed aspects of that next thing. So Correct. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, so if, any, if anybody's listening to this, this is the first time you've heard of that and you're interested, go to Intentional Software, intentsoft.com. And there's a place to sign up and, you know, get on the newsletter. And so you'll, you'll get updates and, and hear about what's going on. That's great. Well, I can see that our time is coming near to a close. I wanted to kind of on closing just ask, again, for somebody who's never heard of this or for someone who wants to reignite their, uh, you know, I don't know, passion for this system and just get an initial kind of a boost in their back in their trust. What would you suggest is like a really good first step for somebody to dip their toes in the water of GTD? Well, it's hard to beat just reading, getting things done, even reading it a second time. I've had so I, I've met people that have read it six times. They said it's a totally different book. I'm coaching a very senior executive CEO of a major company right now who said every time he changed jobs, he brought out my book and read it again <laughs> because <laughs> as he, with the new job, he had to, he had to rethink his systems and, and have a different way to do it. So, you know, that's a way and, you know, it's, uh, it's available audiobook and so forth. So getting things done is a great just manual and starter kit for any of this and a reminder about all that. GTD Connect is our online sort of performance support library. It's huge, amazing amount of resources there. So gtdconnect.com, you can go take a look there. It is a membership program, but I think you get up some a, a free trial uh, time if you want, and you can, you know, take a look at some of the material in there. That's, that's huge. That's a great support material. And we also have a getting started package. I think it's, uh, if you go to our davidco.com, our website and go to products, you'll see a getting started kit. Uh, or a starter kit. And, the, you know, that includes my book and includes CDs. It's a great way to sort of just kind of hit the road running on that. It's pretty inexpensive. So those those are all ways people can play. Great. Well, that 
was actually – you actually answered the question, the final question, which was where should people go and connect with you and all that. And obviously, they should also follow you on Twitter. You mentioned that earlier. Where can they find you there? GTD guy. That's me. Great. Well, David, thank you so much. It's been a real honor and a pleasure to speak to you today. Thanks, Eric. Best to all of you. Well, that's it for another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, it was a great pleasure for me to talk to David Allen. And like he said, one of the great places to start, even if you're not going to go in whole hog on the getting things done system, the book itself really does outline some major key places that you need to address or think about when it comes to personal productivity. So I really do suggest getting that book if you haven't already. You can go to beyondthetodolist.com slash GTD and that'll take you straight to Amazon where you can buy it. Or you can also go visit the show notes for this episode, which is beyondthetodolist.com slash 16. As you heard, uh, one of the things that David put so much of an emphasis on is really managing your inbox. And he referred to a physical inbox. We've got multiple inboxes. One of the primary ones we have is actually our email inbox. And my friend Andy Traub, who was interviewed on this show, has created a product called Fix Your Inbox, where he walks you through screencast tutorials about how to optimize your email inbox, how he does his. And trust me, he is a great teacher. I wholeheartedly believe in what he's doing with this product. I am going through it myself, and it is making a difference on streamlining my process on processing my email inbox. He has given me a code that you can get a, a deep discount on this product. If you go to beyondthetodolist.com slash fixyourinbox, if you use the discount code beyond the list, all one word, beyond the list, that's going to get you about 50% off the price. Trust me. Go to beyondthetodolist.com slash fixyourinbox. There's a video there where Andy talks all about the product. There's a link there you can click to go buy it. Use the code beyond the list to get about 50% off. He is giving an unheard of discount as well as refund if you're not fully satisfied, like 135%. So you're going to get more than your money back if you're not satisfied. Trust me, you can't lose on this. Seriously, go check it out. You will thank me. You'll thank Andy. And it's a really good product. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, go to beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes to give us a rating or a review, hopefully five stars. I hope you got a lot out of this and I will see you next time. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Find more great podcasts like How to Podcast, Clean Comedy, Once Upon a Time, Christian Worldview, and more at noodle.mx. Think, laugh, and succeed by subscribing to our podcasts at noodle.mx. Dot MX.